to Totalus Rankium. This week, James Buchanan Part 2. And welcome to American Presidents Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the presidents from Washington to Trump. And this is 15.2 James Buchanan. Oh, yeah. Or Hamas Buchanan. What? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not how they said his name. Probably James Buchanan. Butch Hanin. <laughs> Yeah, we just had a very brief conversation uh, before air uh, because we were sampling some whiskey, mm. um, and uh, you said you grew to like him less and less last time. I th- I think I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? Do you think things are gonna pick up a bit in this episode for him? I'll be honest. Yeah. My feeling is no. Let's start, shall we? Oh, wonderful. Here we go. <laughs> Bring on the hate. <laughs> start with a Christmas tree. Yeah. But they reached America by this time. I knew you'd ask that. <laughs> so I actually researched this. <laughs> That's why I just paused for a moment there. It's like, he's going to ask, he's going to ask. <laughs> you know me well. And yes, they had Franklin Pierce's time, apparently. Oh, really? oh, uh, they first started to become popular in um, upper echelons of society. Uh, there was evidence of some, like, way back when the first em- emigrants came over, went over. Uh, but yeah, there is speculation that Pierce had a Christmas tree. So. I don't know how accurate this is, but it didn't it start off? It was, it was a German tradition. Yeah. And the uh, Hanover family made it Victorian. Very popular. Yes. Because uh, Victoria used the first like, postcards, didn't she? Yes, exactly. And that became fashionable. And that famous picture of uh, Queen Victoria was used in America. I think this is right. <laughs> this is me half remembering a fact I was once Sorry. told where they airbrushed Queen Victoria out because it was a bit too royal, but they liked the image in America, so they just like, got rid of the, the Queen bit. <laughs> it's like, a, like those big redacted black mark over Victoria. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> so a Christmas tree. Uh, oh. Yeah, you are right. We might not have had a Christmas tree, but artistic license, we've got a Christmas tree, okay? So, Christmas tree. A little electric trains that go around the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Artistic license. And, like, not not electric lights, though, because that would be wrong. Ridiculous. So, candles. Lots of candles. Yeah. Okay, so uh, pull out until you see the whole room. It's a cheery room. Yeah, Christmas time. Fire, decorations, snow outside. A whiskey, a bourbon. Yeah, yeah. A Christmas log, which is just a log of wood. Yeah. Yeah. Yule log. A Yule log, yeah. You can hear in the distance carols being sung. Yeah. That's not Christmas. (laughs) No. (laughs) Some warming up there. (laughs) (laughs) Last Christmas I gave you my heart. But the the very next day you gave it away. This year, to save you from tears, I'll give it to someone special. It went. Right. Yeah, lovely scene, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. By this point, you can see the whole room. And there is the back of Buchanan just staring out the window. You realise you're in the White House here because you can see a half-finished Washington Monument in the distance out the window. Now I know something about that, but I guess we'll come to that later on. Uh, Not really. That's the only time I'm mentioning it this episode. Well, as in, like, in, in the podcast, because I know it took, like, ages to build. Yeah, yeah. At this point, they've <laughs> run out of funds. So yeah. It's been half-finished for quite yeah. a while at this point. It's like 150 years to build us. <laughs> Not quite that, but, yeah, it takes a while. So, you know you're in the White House. You can see Buchanan. He's just staring out the window. And then you hear the door open. 
And off screen, someone says something along the lines of, Mr. President, the news is true. South Carolina has announced they are leaving the Union. Buchanan does not move, but stares and sort of swing round him. So you're no longer looking at his back, but you're looking at his front. Right. And just zoom into his face. Keep zooming until you're really close to his eyes. One of the eyes is just twitching. <laughs> and that's not me making it up. Apparently he developed a twitch. Did he? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Stressful presidency there. Oh, yeah. Twitching away. And then you just start to see the flames reflected in his eyes. And then go straight into his eye until you're black. James oh. Buchanan, part two. Nice. The reckoning. <laughs> okay, here we go. Buchanan is now president-elect. He's won the election. He is determined he's going to swing the ship around and the future of America. I mean, it's a new golden age. Yeah. A first golden age, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. just over the horizon. Oh, yes. All he has to do is choose his cabinet. Very carefully. Things are a bit tense. If you remember, Pierce didn't do such a great job at this, and he was hated throughout his whole presidency. Yeah. He was trying to bring people in from a white tent, and everyone just got fed up with him. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of just ruined everything for him, because no one would deal with him after that. Yeah. So perhaps due to this, Buchanan approached the cabinet in a different way to Pierce. He decided he was going to choose people he personally knew and liked. There were four Southerners and three Northerners. That's good balance. Good balance. In theory. In theory, because all of them <laughs> were just as pro-South as Buchanan was. One obviously was a Northerner himself. Yes. Yeah. One concession to the party was uh, the appointment of Lewis Cass as the Secretary of State. Uh, but James Buchanan was fully intending to be his own Secretary of State anyway, so this didn't really count. Okay. Yeah, so apart from that, it was very pro-Southern people. Uh, the Cabinet were very close. I mean, this is a, a close-knit group of people. They have, like, sleepovers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So of the ghost stories. Yeah. Torch under the face. Yeah. Yeah. And then the hook was embedded in the car roof! <gasps> <gasps> the telegram was coming from inside the house! <laughs> yeah, things like that. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, apparently they'd meet daily and uh, they worked so close together that some people accused James Buchanan as, of being their puppet. <laughs> uh, however, some people just said that he just was very much in agreement with the rest of his cabinet, so they worked as a group. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Um, you can decide as we go on whether okay. you think Buchanan was a puppet figure or not. Okay, so, after selecting his cabinet, in January, Buchanan heads for the capital early. He doesn't need to be there quite that early, uh, but he wants to just, like, get things set up. So, approaching Washington, he stays in a hotel and he works on his inaugural speech. Like you do. Nice. Unfortunately, it was a harsh winter and the pipes froze. Oh, no water. No, it's worse than that. The pipes froze. Oh, they expand. What do you think's the worst case scenario for pipes freezing? They crack, and then when it melts, they spray water everywhere. No, flash forward about a week or so uh, to a period where people are taking body bags out of the hotel. Oh. Oh, no, literally no water. (laughs) Locked in. No. Dehydration. Uh, No, it wasn't No, no, you can melt it. Uh, Oh, what? Um... Let's just say the plumbing wasn't great, and when the pipes froze, the way that it was set up led to waste pipes backing up oh. and getting into the kitchen supply of water. Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't, uh... So, yeah, unknowingly, everyone in that hotel was eating poo pie. <laughs> Hello, monsieur, I have a new dish for you today. This is a poo soup. <laughs> is, is that a new French dish? No poo soup! 
It's nutty. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> yeah, several guests died. I feel bad, man. <laughs> yeah. Died of dysentery, they did. Uh, including Harriet Lane's brother. Um, Harriet Lane, remember, is Buchanan's favourite niece, who I mentioned at the end of right. the last episode. Yeah, so he died. Uh, several people did. And Buchanan got very ill himself. So that would have been embarrassing if he died that way. But he pulls through. Yay! Yeah. What happened then? What would be the... I guess the the rudder-up for the election would be the next... Or the Tassel New Elections. Oh, I don't know if a president-elect dies. I've never thought about it. I wonder what the... Would it be the vice-president-elect? Would that make more sense? Or would they do... I don't know. It's a very good question. If you know, write in on a postcard. Wonderful. Anyway, getting over all this... Uh, (laughs) Yes, Harriet, your brother's dead, but I've got a speech to do. Inauguration day arrives and Buchanan gives his speech. Time to unite the Union. He stated he would only serve one term. That's becoming a bit of a tradition recently. Yeah, magnanimous. Only serve one term, less likely there'll be infighting in your own party because everyone's thinking ahead to the next election and trying to make themselves look good. Apart from that, he talked about how divisions over slavery were awful and tearing the country apart. Time to do something about that. He's got a solution, you'll be happy to know. Oh dear. He agreed with those in the Democratic Party, such as Jefferson Davis. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, and I quote, the sacred right of each individual must be preserved. By each individual, obviously, white male. White male. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that the federal government must safeguard the southern rights to take their property into new territories. So straight off the bat, he's just saying, look, I'm with the South here. He stated also that the Supreme Court, the third branch of government, would be able to settle all of the problems about slavery that are going on. All the arguments... That is beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Not my problem anymore. (laughs) Trust me, the Supreme Court, they've got something on the back burner right now. I know about it. It's going to come out soon. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to solve all the problems with slavery. All the arguments about who can take slaves where and whether they can appeal and whether they can be free or not and the the Compromise of 1850, the Fugitive Slave Act, all of that is just going to be settled. It's going to be sorted. Trust me. Oh, dear. He was, in fact, alluding to a case that was indeed pending. He wasn't just making this up. He's got his eye on something. He also already knew which way this case was going to go, even though the ruling hadn't been done yet, because he very much had a hand in it. Justice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is the infamous Dred Scott v. Stanford case. Oh, yes, of course. Which uh, sounds a bit like a superhero film. If you're not from America. If you're from America, I'm guessing you know this because this is one of those big moments yeah. in American history. I'll admit, in this country, I vaguely recognise the name. I but, know nothing. Yeah. I've heard the name Scott. <laughs> I've heard Sanford. It's a place in Connecticut. Yeah, okay. Um, you're not going to forget it easily. Trust me. Uh, yeah. Dred Scott was a man who had been enslaved in a slave-owning Missouri. Right. He was at one point taken by his enslavers into the Missouri Territory which at that point was labelled free. Right. Yeah. So they go into the free territory... With their slave. With their slave. Then they return to the state of Missouri. Right. Scott, upon returning, sued in court for he and his family's freedom, claiming that, well, hang on, I've just been on free land. I can't be a slave on free land. (laughs) I'm I'm free now, surely. I was free when I was there, and now I've been taken back against my will. Exactly. That's good happening. Yeah, a good point to argue. Yeah. So, they go to the Missouri courts. 
Oh, this is going to end badly, isn't it? <laughs> How badly do you think it could end? Like, worst case scenario, Dreskos going to get hung or get hanged. Um, no, but it, it doesn't end well, we're okay. saying. Right. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, it goes to the Missouri courts. You're going to be shocked to learn that the Missouri state told him that, no, you're still a slave. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> did not expect that. Well, actually, being a bit flippant here, it was a shock because the court had freed ten other people in similar <laughs> cases not long ago. So they were expecting to, to win their freedom here. Was it the president's hand that had... No, Buchanan's not involved at this point. I'll get into that in a moment. Yeah, it was only a technicality that Scott lost the case on. He had not actually proven that he was enslaved to begin with by Irene Emerson, his current enslaver. And because he hadn't proved that he was a slave to begin with, he couldn't prove that he had been taken out as a slave and then returned. It was a stupid technicality, oh. but he lost the case on it. Did, was he obviously a slave when he was in the courthouse? Yes. Um, I should probably point out that he's getting um, help, like legal aid help from um, prominent abolitionist lawyers. Yeah. Uh, it's not just him on his own trying to <laughs> fight the might of the Missouri state. He yeah. does have some help. But even then, it just doesn't work. But it's fine. They're going to appeal the case. They're going to take it to the federal court. Right. And he won his freedom. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. But then the decision was overturned. What? Yeah, it was overturned by Chief Justice William Scott, who said the following, and I quote, Times are not now as they were when the former decisions on this subject were made. So yeah, I know we freed ten people earlier, but times have changed. Since then, not only individuals, but states have been processed with a dark and foul spirit in relation to slavery, whose gratification is sought in the pursuit of measures whose inevitable consequences must be the overthrow and destruction of our government. Under such circumstances, it does not behoove the state of Missouri to show the least countenance to any measure that might gratify this spirit. What? So in other words, those bloody abolitionists are trying to ruin our union, so we're just going to fight against anything they want. So yeah, we may have freed people with the identical case to you before, but we just don't like the abolitionists, so you're still a slave. That's awful. Oh, just wait. Oh. This, this isn't the end. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. The case looked hopeless, and Scott lost his financial backing and his lawyers. I mean, he it fell apart. I'm out, yeah. Yeah. But another anti-slavery lawyer, another a prominent one, came along and took the case pro bono. So that's good. That sounds rude. <laughs> it does sound a bit rude, but um, everyone is assured that it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's normal in the legal world. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Perfectly legal, that right. <laughs> The case then went to the Supreme Court. That's the big one. That's the big one. Things don't go well. In fact, the decision the Supreme Court makes is widely held as being the worst Supreme Court ruling in history. Oh, wonderful. And I quote. And remember, this was all about whether uh, Dred Scott could be a, uh, free or not. Yeah, yeah. The ruling was thus. Black people are not included and were not intended to be included under the word citizens in the Constitution and can therefore claim none of the rights and privileges which that instrument provides for and secures to citizens of the United States. Oh. On the contrary, there were at the time of the Constitution's framing considered a subordinate and inferior class of beings who, who had been subjugated by the dominant race and, oh. whether emancipated or not, had no rights or privileges. Shit. Yeah. 
In other words, no black person in the entire country could ever be a citizen of the United States. Therefore, Dred Scott could not, by default, appeal to the court's rulings. He is a slave. That, they've just, an entire nation. Yeah. Representing a nation has just dehumanised a human being. They've literally compared them almost to an animal. Mm-hmm. So that's happened. Yeah. I paused in my uh, my research at this point, and I had a bit of a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you might be wondering, however, uh, what is Buchanan's hand in all this? What is Buchanan's hand in all this? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. This is all going on around the time of his inauguration. Uh, yes. During the speech. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the ruling's not been given yet, so that, that right. quote I just did at the end has not been made. Okay. But Buchanan already knows that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Because Buchanan saw this case as an opportunity to solve the slavery issue once and for all. By shutting it down. Yeah. By dehumanising... Oh, yeah. no. So you might be wondering why a case about one man's freedom suddenly shifts to announcing that all black people were not citizens. Well, Buchanan had written to a couple of the chief justices, expressing a desire that the case move beyond the case of Dred Scott and settle matters involving all black Americans. Including free... Yeah. So, right. Buchanan just puts a word in and says, look, can we make this court ruling, like, just a blanket so everything is settled? And then we can just uh, put that issue away. It's sorted. It will be law, and all this talk of freedom and territories and things getting caught up in trials, it's just annoying. All these judges around and all these lawyers around slowing things down all the time. Let's just make the issue go away. Although Buchanan technically is not part of the Dred Scott decision, because obviously different branch of government, yeah. many historians have stated that his fingerprints are all over this. Well, he's, he's trying to quash a problem, isn't he? Yeah, now Should it's certainly not just him. No, of course but not. But he is very much in that faction of people who are making this happen. Right. Yeah, and as president elect, he's got a bit more clout. So, when during the inaugural address he um, alluded to the pending case, he knew full well what the ruling was going to be. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to be shocked to learn that this move backfires massively. <laughs> I was going to say, because every single northern state is just going to go. Excuse me. <laughs> what? what, what? Eh? Yeah, exactly. Um, you've got you've got it in one there. Many in the north saw this as yet another example of how the south was spreading slavery, and many started to wonder just how long is it going to be before the free states have slavery forced upon them. But Buchanan and many others felt that this was a moot point. Uh, it doesn't matter what you think; it's mm. now law. It doesn't matter if something's morally right or wrong. The law is the law. Yeah. If. These horrible new Republicans disliked the Dred Scott verdict, then they were arguing against law itself, and therefore America, the traitors. Oh, it, it's really scary, this rhetoric being used. It's scary, isn't it? And it's also familiar, which yeah. makes it more scary. Oh, yes. Anyway, believing fully that he'd actually put the slavery question down. Yeah, yeah. At least in part. All sorted. <laughs> right, next. <laughs> Job done. This... Beacon President's easy. <laughs> right, next. Economy. <laughs> Funny you should say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh. We'll get to that in just a second. Yeah, so he believes he's sorted out the slavery. He also believes that he's sorted out the rise of the Republican Party uh, because there's no need for the Republican Party trying to stop the spread of slavery because it's now law. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So he's sorted that out as well. Uh, and all those dangerous abolitionists. It's all gone. Uh, Buchanan's 
okay to go about his duties. So he starts thinking about running the country. He looks at his cabinet again and starts thinking about appointing other positions yeah, yeah. within the executive branch. Well, a good spread of northern and southern people. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Uh, a, a, a big tent, everyone's involved. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Um, but mm, actually, now he thinks about it, all those Democrats that supported Douglas against him uh, in the convention. Yeah. Uh, well, they're clearly up to no good, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Can't trust them. You can't. So maybe don't give those jobs. And um, in fact, generally, if they're from the North, I mean, it's a bit anti-slavery up there. Liberal hippies is what they are. <laughs> That's what they are. So um, maybe not give those jobs. So in the end, pretty much uh, you only got a job if you were pro-slavery southerner. Wonderful. Yeah. So anyway, that's sorted. Uh, the White House itself needed to be looked at, of course, though, because um, the Pierces were not the most lively of couples, were they? They no. weren't the happiest. I mean, they had their reasons. Yeah, uh, yes. But, yes, they did. Uh, apparently the White House was a bit sombre. A bit gloomy. Just walk down corridors and people were weeping in the corners, that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Walls that are painted black. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of twiglets sellotaped to the ceiling. It was it was depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Buchanan decides he's going to uh, cheer the place up a bit. He's not got a, uh, a first lady, though. And usually it's kind oh, of yeah. their job to do the hosting and the cheering the place up a bit. Did his uh, wife die or something? No, he's never had a wife. Oh! If you remember the story of Ann Coulter, his fiancée, who killed herself. Yeah, yes, that's yeah. what I'm getting <laughs> And then, obviously, his good friend King, who may well, probably, most likely, was his partner. Yeah, oh! he spent most of his time with. Of course. Yeah, so, yeah, so without a first lady, he turns to his favourite niece, Harriet. So she can take on those roles and responsibilities. The wine cellar was once more well-stocked, and Buchanan declared that the small bottles of champagne that the White House was uh, getting in were no good at all. Uh, this, was, this was awful. I'll quote here, Pints are all very inconvenient in this house, as this article is not used to drinking in such small quantities. No. <laughs> so he, need, he needed much bigger than a pint of champagne. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> he was also known to go and pick up 10-gallon casks of whiskey personally to take back to the White House. Right, 10 points there for statesmanship. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, there you go, that, that's your light-hearted story for the week. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, because then things get a bit tricky. If he hoped he'd able to simply brighten this sinking ship of a country uh, simply by being president, yeah. uh, he was mistaken. Three major issues blew up at roughly the same time. Number one, the one you predicted earlier, the economy fell apart. Yay. The panic of 57. Number two, the Mormons in Utah have revolted. Sort of. We're going to more details in a moment. Yeah. And three, the Kansas problem was not going away. Yeah. Yeah, despite the Kansas-Nebraska Act, well, in fact, more to point because of it, uh, there was a huge problem in yeah. that region. So let's look at that panic first. As ever, the economy is incredibly complex, uh, but a few things have made the economy shaky recently. Number one was nothing to do with the US whatsoever. But in 1844, Britain had made a change to their banking laws, which didn't go down very well, and the economy kind of fell apart. Oh and that had a knock-on effect around the entire world. Okay. Uh, because Britain was leading the world at this time. So, yeah, that, that's not great. But also, there were some internal factors. The Californian gold rush was coming to an end. Oh. So all that free gold just flying around all over the place suddenly dries up. Uh, that has an effect on people. 
uh, banks became far more cautious lending money as reports of declining gold fines were, were coming back to the, yeah. the East. Basic banking is not working very well. No. Because um, the banks aren't trusting that people will be able to repay debts. Yeah, and then they've got to, you know, people have put money in here, I can't just give it to you because everything will go to crap soon. <laughs> yeah. Got to like hold on to it. Before, uh, any crazy man with a sieve and a hat could turn up and get a loan because they were bound to find something in California. Places yeah. made of gold. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas uh, times are changing. No. Uh, also, the ripping up of the Missouri Compromise and also the Dred Scott ruling led to investors wondering just what kind of economy is this country heading to here? Yeah, because you've got two options. Like, should we keep investing in the, 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 the slave trade? Or, well, he's edging more to, with that with this current government. It's certainly looking towards that way, so you might start investing in that. But you're going to have more people cautious going, well, this, this isn't sustainable. It's, yeah, exactly. Are we going to be a manufacturing country or are yeah. we just going to become a slave economy throughout the whole country? Um, and that could be a problem with like yeah, so the north versus the south. Eventually, there might be like a a, a bit a of scuffle, arguments, a scuffle, yeah, a civil scuffle, a tiff. Yeah, so yeah, uh, things are starting to grind to a halt economy-wise. Uh, and then finally, the rapid rise of the railroad companies had led to a stock bubble burst. That's a great sentence. Yeah, stock bubble burst. Yeah. So the market's saturated. Yeah, and it, it collapses. Yeah, so yeah. that people get scared, they take the money out of those companies. Yeah, exactly. So the highly industrialised North <clears throat> felt the shock of this panic far yeah. more than the relatively stable slave economy of the South. Which, at the time, would make people believe that's the most stable economy. Exactly, yes. And again, we have stories, just as we have in previous panics, of uh, people literally starving to death. Um, businesses going under, farmers unable to do anything but just watch as their crops rot in their barns That's because they can't sell them for anything apart from less than what they bought the seeds for. Ooh. Yeah, it's it would cost them more for the transport of the goods than they would yeah. be able to sell it. It just, everything falls apart, basically. It's not good. But because of the feeling at the time and because of the effects falling differently on North and South, like you say, this led to even more anger in the North about the current government. People in the South were going, well, that's your problem, isn't it? Way. You're the greedy Northerners with your, um, with your businesses, yeah. ripping people off all the time. You reap what you sow. Whereas we don't reap anything because we get our slaves to do it. And as you say, they use the panic as an argument that the northern economy was inherently flawed and slavery is the only way forward. Mm. Oh dear. Buchanan and his administration did very little. Now, to be fair, this is at a time where the government was not seen as something that should get involved in personal things, yeah, such yeah. as money. Um, yeah, uh, no president has really done much in any of the panics previously. No, that's true. It just naturally sorts itself out, doesn't it? Yeah, after lots of people starve to death. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've seen a little bit. Um, Van Buren attempted to do a bit, but mm. was held back. But yeah, um, so I don't think we can criticise Buchanan too much for not doing much here. Yeah, it certainly wasn't innovative. Yes, uh, uh, and he didn't grab the ball by the horns and take it on. No. no. It's a very depressed bull anyway. <laughs> yes, very exactly. sickly looking bull. Okay, so that's going on. Everyone's starving to death and no one's got any money, apart from the rich people. However, something that Buchanan could grapple with uh, was the possible uprising of the Mormon settlers in the East. Now, we're going to need to know a little bit of background on this. So a very, very simple background, because obviously this is a huge history. So I'll be skimming over a lot. 
But in 1820, going back in time, and this is a story that really would feel right at home in our Roman Emperor series. It honestly felt like going and doing some Roman Emperor notes this did. A man in 1820 claimed to have spoken to God and Jesus. Wonderful. Yeah. This New South-proclaimed prophet, a man named Joseph Smith, <laughs> then started to gain some followers. And he wrote a book that he claimed was a translation of the words given to him by an angel. Right. This was the Church of Christ, to begin with, uh, but then the Church of the Latter-day Saints. <laughs> or Mormons, as they're also known. A young man named Brigham Young joined this new religion shortly after 1830. Ooh. Yeah. Over the next decade, Young rose through the ranks of the church as they moved... <laughs> <laughs> rose through, through the ranks, ranks. <laughs> um, Roman emperor reference there um, Yeah, rose through the ranks of the church As they moved to Ohio To live life with more freedom From that pesky government Constantly telling them to do things Like yeah. stop marrying lots of wives In the 1840s The Mormons were in Illinois But internal tensions had led to Smith Ordering the destruction of a printing press That accused him of polygamy But it's true Well, yeah, but he didn't like it Uh, (laughs) The riots start And Smith, who was the mayor of the town Declared martial law (laughs) Yeah Smith then voluntarily gave himself up over to the authorities in Carthage. What? Yeah, in Carthage. We really are in the room. This is insane. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) New religion, a prophet, Carthage. Wow, Um, rising through ranks. Yeah, it's it's good, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, Smith and his brother were accused of treason. But awaiting trial, the prison was stormed and the two brothers were killed. So that's the founder of the Mormons dead. Killed in a riot. As you can imagine, this leads to a succession crisis. Who's going to lead them now? Who's going to take the purple? I mean, become the next leader. Eh? <laughs> yes. Not sure any purple was involved, but maybe. Maybe there yeah. was. Yeah, the aforementioned Brigham Young uh, won this power struggle. Although there were splinters and offshoots that didn't accept him, but Brigham Young is now pretty much in charge. Young then leads the Mormons even further east, searching for a land that they could practice their religion in without interference from the government. They would head to the relatively unpopulated lands of northern Mexico. Wonderful. No pesky US government. And the Mexican government are so far away they won't bother with us. So they set off, they trek through the desert, hard times, they finally arrive, sit down, wipe their brow, have a drink, big sigh, they look up, and which flag do they see flying on top of that mountain? Oh, it's the US flag, because the Mexican War's just finished, and this land is now part of America. Ah, son of a... (laughs) Yeah. Damn it. Fine, well, we'll stay here anyway. Yeah, so um, the land's near this massive Great Salt Lake that they found. They thought would do well. Do they build a city there? They, they do. What do they and, call it? Well, as you know, Americans are very good at naming things. <laughs> very good <Yeah>. at naming <laughs> So they go for Mormonville. <laughs> um, after some wrangling that we just don't have time to go into, unfortunately, Young was appointed the governor of this new territory by President Fillmore. We did mention briefly how uh, the Utah region was created. So yeah, Young's in charge of it. He ruled the Salt Lake City area, determined for freedom for his people, shall we say. Yes. Uh, We shall also say he was very hostile to outside influence. Wonderful. Yeah. There were roughly 40,000 followers of the religion by this point. It had grown rapidly. And Young did not want to lose control over his new land. Now, federal politicians were sent there, 
obviously, it's US territory, uh, but they soon left, unable to talk to the local government. Uh, things were fractured, tense. They're a bit unwilling to listen. Yeah. <laughs> they threw things at us. Yeah. <laughs> More sinister, however, reports of a federal surveyor being assassinated on the orders of Young reach the ears of those in the East. It starts getting some sinister overturns. It's not just, oh, they're being a bit unpleasant. Mm. It's, they're starting to kill people who go over there. What's, what's going on over there? Buchanan, when he becomes president, obviously is not happy with these reports. Now, everyone agreed that what a person got up to in their own home was obviously nothing to do with the government. Yeah. Yeah. After all, this is the argument that Buchanan and those around him made for slavery. Uh, <laughs> slavery was a personal property issue, not one that can be infringed upon by the federal government. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. But that's the argument they made. Oh. So, what a man and a woman got up to was obviously up to them. Um, but these stories of polygamy, I mean, these Mormons went just too far, damn it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, something needs to be done. Yeah. Buchanan ordered that some troops go east and just find out exactly what's going on over there in the desert. We've got some troubling reports of uh, assassinations and polygamy. Uh, <laughs> doesn't look good. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, well, yeah, good, good. Send, take two and a half thousand troops with you, uh, with some politicians to replace those that um, we're going to find up to no good, let's face it. And um, yeah, just, just go west. Meanwhile, in Utah, Young and his followers obviously feared the worst. I mean, uh, these two and a half thousand armed men are coming towards us. <laughs> we did all we could to get away from the US government, and now here they are trying to dominate us again. So they assumed they were all about to be attacked, and the anti-outsider rhetoric heightened. Reports soon came through of 125 travellers heading to the East Coast, heading to California to make their fortune, yeah. being massacred by the Mormon militia. The Mormon leadership attempted to blame it on the local American Indian tribes. They'd even dressed up as the local American Indian tribes, uh, but it just didn't work. There were too many witnesses. It's like, you're clearly a white man just dressed up. So? <laughs> so what? You're fooling no one. Um, yeah, the US troops arrived, but it was close <laughs> to winter, and the mountain passes were being held by the Mormon militia. Mm. Uh, so the troops decide to set up a fort, wait till spring, and then who knows? Maybe we'll be able to peacefully go into the city and it will be fine. Yeah. Maybe we might need to bash some heads together. We'll find out then. We will find out in the spring. Merry Christmas, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, there were a few victims over winter, uh, usually innocent travellers accused of being spies from either side. Yeah. Yeah. However... Buchanan then sent a man called Thomas Paine to negotiate with Young. Paine was sympathetic with the Mormons, uh, so the talks were actually quite productive. Paine said to Young, if you step down as governor and allow some of our secular politicians in, we'll say no more on the matter. <laughs> bygones be bygones. Until we change all your laws and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the situation was, from the US point of view, successfully dealt with. And there you go. So this almost war, almost uprising, just kind of filters away. They managed to talk. Fizzles out. Yeah, fizzles out. Those in the east happy. Um, the residents of Salt Lake City grumbling a bit, but there's not much they can do. So there you go. Uh, that, that's that crisis dealt with. Hmm. So far, Buchanan has dealt with slavery. <laughs> he has dealt with the Republicans rising. Yeah. He's dealt with the abolitionist movement. Yeah. He has dealt with the Panic of 57, because that's nothing to do with him, really, so he doesn't need to do that. But cross it off the list anyway, it looks good. Economy. And now he's um, 
dealt with uh, Utah revolting. He's a very successful president and so successful. far. Successful, but let's face it, these are all a sideshow to the big problem. The, the country's split in two. Well, yes, and where is this most highlighted at this time? It is Kansas. Mm-hmm. What is fast becoming known as Bleeding Kansas. That's not a good name. <laughs> it's, it's not great, is it? Right, quick recap on this issue then. Uh, the Kansas-Nebraska Act in 1854 had created the Kansas and Nebraska territories. Yes. But more importantly, opened the possibility for new states in these regions to become slave states. Yeah. yeah. Now, they're above the Missouri Compromise line. They should never be slave states according to the Compromise. Yeah. Uh, but that's just kind of been pushed to one side. Yeah. Yeah. It's only law. <laughs> As we saw in Pierce's episode, the region filled with many anti-slavery immigrants... Uh, but with some powerful pro-slavery ones. Yeah. This is Kansas, not Nebraska. The territorial elections were held, and if you remember, the neighbouring slave-owning Missouri wanted to see Kansas as a slave state, so they helped rig the election so a pro-slavery territorial government was created. Yes. Yeah. Those that lived there were outraged, or at least uh, a good, roughly 75% of the population, we think, uh, were outraged. And a second anti-slavery government was illegally created. (laughs) So you've now got the pro-slavery government in uh, Kansas based in a place called Lecompton. Only seen that written down. I don't know if you pronounce it that way. Probably. I don't know. You can say it with an American accent. Lecompton. Yeah, okay. I'll splice that in every time I say it. Uh, And the (laughs) anti-slavery government in Topeka. Topeka. Topeka? Topeka? Topeka. Yeah, anyway. So we've got Lecompton, pro-slavery, Topeka, anti-slavery. Right. And if I'm saying those names wrong and you're wincing every time I say them, uh, well, that happens to me a lot when I listen to uh, podcasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so deal with it. <laughs> anyway, Pierce resorted to the use of federal troops, sending in 1,500 troops to just keep the peace. Yeah. But that did little to stop the two sides from fighting each other, as we saw in Pierce's episode. And this is the mess that Buchanan inherits. Right. So, two governments, both started, if not outright illegally, then through obvious voter fraud. Both on opposite sides of a powder keg of an argument that was ripping up the political parties of the entire country. Yeah. So what would you do? Well, judging from his past, he's just going to go, well, pro-slavery, that's it now. Band-aid on, sorted. Uncanny. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Claps his hands. Right, next. (laughs) Well, perhaps you could start the process again. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you could say, okay, both these governments haven't been set up in a brilliant way. We need to reset. Yeah. New votes, new government. Yeah, yeah. Appoint a new territorial governor that can bring the sides together, maybe. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. He certainly doesn't do that. He decides to get 100% behind the pro-slavery Lecompton government. It was, after all, the officially elected government. Well, from a legal point of view, (laughs) he does have a point. Yeah, it's the law, damn it. It's the law, and you know how we respect the law. Yeah. Um, We'll ignore the fact that this government was just elected in an election that was full of false ballots, obviously. Um, And the fact that anti-slavery Topeka was representing, like I say, three quarters of the population. No, definitely the Compton. That's the way forward. This is, again, sort of highlighting that just shutting down the other side doesn't help. That just creates divisions more so. Rather than listening and talking, quashing something never helps. 
Yeah, it's not great. And you can imagine how well this goes down in the north. Yeah. Yeah. Although not all in the south were happy, you'll be interested to hear. Um, yeah. Georgia and Mississippi uh, didn't think things were going fast enough. They started talking about seceding from the Union if Kansas was made a free state. Even records of death threats against Buchanan if he did not manage to get Kansas through as a slave state. Wow. Yeah, feelings are high on both sides. A frustrated Buchanan tried to point out that what what's going on? Why why is everyone still arguing about this and protesting and fighting? This is all pointless. The Dred Scott case has sorted this. It's the law. Slaves were property and could be taken into new territories, and they have no rights because they're they're not citizens. It's the law. Why are we even talking about this still? I've I've crossed this off my to do list. I'm liking him less and less. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Some <laughs> encouraged the president to send troops against the Topeka government. What? Yeah. 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 Uh, but in Buchanan's defense, he refused. And I'll quote The one good thing he does. <laughs> Unless they shall attempt to perform some act which will bring them into actual contention with the Constitution and its laws. So, to his credit, he at least doesn't send troops in against uh, the, the Topeka government. Yes. <laughs> so then the Lecompton delegates uh, meet up in October to write a constitution for their proposed state. Yes. A pro-slavery constitution, obviously. Remember, they've already brought in these territorial laws that are very, very pro-slavery. Death sentence if you're passing on literature, uh, anti-slavery literature. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and now they're, they're writing up their constitution. However, they did face a problem. To ratify a potential state constitution, they needed to take it to the people in a referendum. That was just what was agreed upon. And the potential state was mostly anti-slavery. <laughs> right. So how are they going to get that through? Do a turkey. <laughs> Do a Florida. <laughs> yes. All these votes have just got lost. <laughs> well, to get round this, they decide to simply approve the document and send it to Buchanan. And oh. should we just forget about the whole referendum thing? Yeah, ref, ref for what? what? They, they just cause trouble. <laughs> yeah, they really do. They really do. <laughs> um, yeah, this, again, I suppose to Buchanan's credit, uh, was a step too far for him. It's like, no, you can't just ignore the referendum stage. Yeah. You've got to actually get this uh, ratified by the people. So he sent some men to go and talk to the Lecompton legislature, and a compromise was reached. They, they hammered out some ideas. Yeah. And this is what they came up with. Only part of the Constitution would be put to a referendum, and that was the part on slavery. The rest of the Constitution would not be voted upon. Ooh, to sneak the rest through. Yeah. But there are going to be some technicalities in there as well, like... Oh, it's almost like you can see into the future, Jamie. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really matter what you vote for, the rest is going to go through regardless. Yes, and oh. one of the things that was going to go through regardless is the status of around 200 enslaved people who were already in Kansas. What the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> Seriously? Even if the people voted against slavery, there would still be slaves in the state. And if you've already got 200 slaves in the state, well, that's just opening the barn doors. It's going to flood in. The floodgates, not the barn doors. Mixing my metaphors. But yeah, if you've got slaves in the state, you're a slave state. So even if they say no to slavery, it's going to be a slave state. What is wrong with people? The governor of the territory himself argued against this. It's so obviously ridiculous. He wasn't governor for long. No. 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 
The vote went ahead. Around 6,000 people voted for slavery and the Constitution, uh, and 500 voted for no slavery and the Constitution with slavery in it. <laughs> yeah. However, three weeks later, Topeka had their own elections, 10,000 against slavery, 162 for. Wow. Uh, two slightly different results from the two governments there. Yeah, and if, and if you combined them... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's... Uh, like I say, that most of the population were against slavery. Yeah. I, I feel I should probably say that most of them wasn't because they thought slavery was bad. Uh, most of them, well, it was a case of we don't want any black people to live near us. Oh. Yeah. It, it, don't don't get the feeling that everyone who opposed slavery in early yeah. US were just really uh, lovely people who hated I, slavery. I had that in my head. No, no. No one's oh, nice, Jamie. No, <laughs> no one's nice. <laughs> Don't be so depressed and do this podcast, seriously. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's going to get better. Briefly, and then things get whole. Um, anyway, it's fine, it's fine. I had a podcast, here we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right, by this time, three former governors of the region were stating that they just needed to start again. Come on, etch a sketch, reset here. <laughs> just shake it all up. Shake the whole territory. It's a mess, we need to start again. Buchanan then met with Douglas, uh, the Democrat senator who had introduced the Kansas-Nebraska Act in the first First place we came across him before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to see a lot more of him next time in Lincoln's episode. <gasps> oh yes, uh, so good times are ahead then for the US. <laughs> yeah, well, Douglas uh, <laughs> is very much a rival of Lincoln's. So yeah, we'll get okay. to see him next time. Anyway, Douglas was the head of the Committee on Territories, so he's actually in charge of moving Kansas from a territory into a state. Right. He's the official who's going to make it happen. And Douglas was not happy with the amount of obvious fraud that had taken place. <laughs> Uh, along with the fact that this referendum's useless. Why, why, why did we even do it? What, yeah. What's going on here? If Kansas went through as a slave state, uh, his northern home state of Illinois was not going to be happy with him. No. And he's up for re-election soon, so oh, he, he doesn't want to make waves. Yeah. And there's this very lanky man fighting against him in Illinois, and yeah, so he's, he's not too happy. He doesn't have a beard yet, but he might soon. Yeah, he looks like someone who would have a beard, but not a moustache. Yeah. yeah. Buchanan was not happy and pointed out to Douglas that since the days of Jackson, no senator had ever voted against the administration and survived. Mm. Get behind me, Douglas, on this. Don't fight me. Yeah. Douglas responded, and I quote, Mr. President, Andrew Jackson is dead. Oh, which nice. is brilliant. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. There's not many quotes from Douglas where you go, oh, well done, Douglas. Yeah. Uh, but that's one of them. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Buchanan pushed ahead anyway. He doesn't care. He is supporting Lecompton, saying that if Kansas changed their minds about slavery, uh, they could always change their minds after the Constitution's been put into effect. Right. After all, we can't let dangerous abolitionist free soilers destroy our union. Mm. Kansas needs to become a slave state and become a slave state now. They can change their mind later. That was a lie. They oh, couldn't. Okay. I mean, they, they'd set up to make sure it couldn't change anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, but why let the truth get in the way of uh, <laughs> political rhetoric? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, in fact, more and more often, Buchanan was starting to employ lies, shall we say, in his rhetoric. So just saying things that were absolutely demonstrably not true that could be easily proven to be false. Yeah, these things were obvious lies. He would talk about how half the people in the Union would be disadvantaged if the abolitionists got their way. 
he'd talk about the South as if it was half the Union, always. But the white population of the South is actually only one-fifth of the population of the US. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. This is not Didn't a half-and-half half split. No. This is a, a 20% of uh, people in the South. But, but even that rhetoric, though, that's, that's splitting the country in half. That's yeah. divisive rhetoric. Yeah, it certainly is. Also, obviously, only a tiny fraction of this one-fifth of the population were actually the ones benefiting from slavery. It was the yeah. rich plantation owners. <laughs> yeah, so... Anyway, in the end, the Senate, currently two-thirds of which were slaveholding Democrats, passed the Lecompton Constitution. Wow. The House, however, was a different story. The Democrats were the most popular, with 128 members, but only 75 were southern slave owners. The Republicans and the Know-Nothings made up 106. Right. So uh, things were a bit tougher in the House. And the House needed to pass this as well for Kansas to become a state. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's looking close. The Senate have passed it through. Kansas mm-hmm. is about to be a slave state. So Buchanan's going to go on the offensive. He tries his very hardest to get the representatives in the House to his cause. He really tries. How, how do you convince people? Hold their family and beat them up. I, I don't think he did that. That's that's what I would do. That's why I got into his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, no, he um he offered shipbuilding contracts, uh, mail routes, course. promises of future jobs, yeah. rumors of even cash exchanging hands. Yeah. Anyone he think he could woo to his side, he basically bribed. The House committee that inevitably sprang up to investigate this uh, <laughs> blatant... Excuse me, <laughs> few questions. You, you literally just tried to bribe me five minutes ago. There's <laughs> a suitcase full of cash. <laughs> yeah, the, the rumours uh, even suggested that uh, prostitutes were being used as bribes. Yeah, this wasn't proven, this was just a rumour. But yeah. let's just say an investigation starts up. Right. Uh, and things aren't looking great. Especially because all of this failed anyway. Douglas, outraged by everything that's going on, <laughs> uh, had led a splinter faction of Democrats and voted against the Constitution going through. Now, Douglas had swung his support behind Buchanan in the last national convention. So, in his mind, he had made Buchanan, and he now swore that he was going to unmake him. I should probably make clear Douglas is a Northern Democrat. Yeah. Yeah, so we're really starting to see the Democrats really splitting here. Yeah. Faced with this defeat, Buchanan, through a man named William English, went to Congress. Tally her. <laughs> yes, he would speak like that, William English. Gosh. Oh, gosh, golly. Uh, but then in our podcast, everyone sounds like that. So. <laughs> well, it is true, Rob. Yes. Anyway, he goes to Congress and he offered the following... Kansas are going to have another stab at this whole constitution thing. This time a fair one. Don't (laughs) worry. Uh, But if they support it, we, the federal government, will give them the usual land grant of four million acres and therefore they'll be able to become a state immediately. (laughs) Right. Yeah. If they don't go for the constitution, we won't give them their land and they will be forced to wait until their population reach 93,000 to become a state, and who knows when that will happen. Oh, bribery. Yeah, I mean, this is an obvious bribe again, Uh, but it was subtle enough for Congress to allow this one to pass. So off to Kansas this goes, a referendum on the Constitution, and it's going to be a fair one this time. Vote on the Constitution or don't. None of this, like, half and half out. Just don't go on Facebook or Twitter because <laughs> yes. that's, a, that's a paid Russian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. However, Buchanan's attempts of bribing to shift everyone's opinions utterly fails. 
because Kansas utterly reject the Constitution. Less than one in ten voted for it. Wow. Yeah. Less than ten percent. Yeah. That is insane. I mean, really, no one really thought Kansas was ever going to be able to be a slave state. Uh, the fact they got this far was amazing. But it's all that's, rubbish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's yeah. why the North was so angry. It's, they couldn't believe that Kansas was going to become a slave yeah. state because, like you say, Gosh, yeah. it's all rubbish. How are you forcing this through? But eventually, it is crushed. The pro-slavery movement in the territory collapses. Buchanan, attempting to get something out of this mess, declared the situation was sorted. I could, yeah. There you go. That's the Nebraska-Kansas problem. Bleeding Kansas, done. Crosses it off his list. Yeah, he'd not managed to make it a slave state for his southern chums, but the arguing's over now. It's not yeah. bleeding anymore. Put a plaster on it. <laughs> Let the scab <laughs> appear. The scab just festers underneath. <laughs> Buchanan then enters the last year of his presidency. So far, he's doing really well, isn't he? He's ticking those he's things off. Solved loads of problems, yeah. Brilliant. He wanted to focus on what he's always preferred, and that is his attempts to expand the United States. Remember, he was a bit obsessed with expanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ideally, he wants to get Cuba and uh, a bit more land off Mexico. He felt they didn't quite get enough. <laughs> that, oh, that that's very British Victorian mentality, <laughs> yes, isn't it? Really it? Is. So he starts thinking about putting military posts on the Mexican border. You know, a mile beyond the actual border. <laughs> well, many were worried about the tone that Buchanan was taking. Oh, yeah. uh, they pointed out that well, invading Mexico for no reason whatsoever is illegal. And I know we did it before, but... We're we more enlightened now than <laughs> ten years ago. <laughs> we kind of fudged it a bit before, we blamed it on them, and... I don't know if we can get away with that twice. Yeah, so without Congress declaring war, look, it can't happen. Buchanan, however, argued that Mexico was an exception to this. I don't need to wait for Congress to declare war. We can just start taking over Mexico if we want, because they were their neighbours, and therefore they were an exception. And I will quote here... The anarchy and confusion in their country affected the United States. As a good neighbour, shall we not extend her a helping hand and save her? That, oh, How very no. British. That is <laughs> obscene. We, 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 we'll go in there and uh, civilise them. Yeah, so, uh, why, what, why is there all this anarchy and confusion? I mean, obviously... Who knows? <laughs> what caused that? <laughs> now, obviously, it wasn't just the Mexican no. War. There was a lot to do with Spain and everything. But the Mexican War didn't help. Uh, yeah. Anyway, in the end, Buchanan's musings on expanding the United States didn't go anywhere. Uh, the North were utterly horrified by the idea. And uh, the South was worried that Buchanan wanted to strengthen the executive branch a bit too much. Oh, yeah. yeah, so he wasn't really getting any support for this. And besides, we're kind of busy at the moment, Mr. President. I don't know if you noticed, but half the country hates the other half. Uh, do we really want to be going off and invading other countries or trying to take Cuba? Or Come on now. And also then there's the problem with the British. Oh, there's always, always a problem wonderful. with the British. <laughs> the British were stopping and searching ships suspected of being slave vessels in the Caribbean. As in, because they disagree with it. Yeah. Uh, oh, we've abolished slavery. Oh, yeah. We, well, Britain did that quite a while ago. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to say it's because we're really lovely in Britain, but no, mainly it was a way like... just to control the economies of countries. <sighs> no one's nice, Jamie. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I live in such a little <laughs> bubble of everyone should be lovely. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, Britain doesn't want any slave trading going around this time. Uh, they've gone into an agreement with the United States where both crack down on these uh, illegal slave ships. Right. Yeah. Uh, Britain really are going for it. America less so. Uh, they're kind of turning a bit of a blind eye to it, as you can imagine. Uh, those in the <laughs> South aren't too bothered by the whole slavery thing. Um, oh, suddenly the ship of 2,000 slaves turned up. That's unfortunate. <laughs> Set them to work. Yeah. So, these illegal slave ships had come up with a cunning way to make sure that they weren't uh, raided by the British. They would just fly the American flag. Mm. Did it work? No. Uh. (laughs) Uh, No, because uh, the British just just boarded the ships anyway and went, no, you're a slave ship, you're not an American trading vessel. So what this means is the British are uh, boarding ships that are flying American flags. Which is enticement to a potential war. Well, yeah. Um, You're invading our property. Well, uh, let me point out, ships that were flying the American flag, not American ships. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some of them might have been American ships, but it was anyone who was uh, illegally (laughs) shipping slaves at the time would just put the American flag up anyway. We've bought your vessel, Captain. I want to see your cargo. No, 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 monsieur. American born and bred. As you can imagine, Buchanan is outraged. It didn't matter that the ships were not actually American and were illegally carrying slaves. This was an insult to the American flag. You can see that view, though. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, you're disrespecting the American... F- America, yeah. because... Yeah, you, you think you can just board ships with American flags on it. How dare mm. you? How very dare you? So, <laughs> he wrote several sharply worded notes to Britain, possibly to his good friend Clarendon. You cad. Yeah. And the British eventually agreed to stop. So there you go, he ticks that one off his list. British sorted out, wouldn't that war? Yes. However, whilst all this is going on, that investigation's not stopped. Investigations take a while. They're not done with overnight. Many, including Democrats, in fact, uh, felt that Buchanan had gone a little too far using bribes to swing votes his way over the whole Kansas thing. So the House had created the Kavod Committee. Angered, Buchanan denounced this investigation into him as an inquisition and accused those that appeared before the committee of being parasites and informers trying to curry favour. Wow. Imagine living in such times. Now, the committee... Witch hunt sounds like. (laughs) The committee was made up of three Republicans and and two Democrats, and was obviously partisan, to be fair. Those two two Democrats were not Buchanan fans. So all five of them were were gunning for the president. But even so, um, when Buchanan's allies and friends could not actually defend the president, it didn't look good. The committee may have been partisan, but the, the bribes were happening and the committee were finding them. The reason why they were partisan was because they didn't like Buchanan, because Buchanan had done it. Testimonies were taken in private meetings, but, as these things happened, soon leaked to the press. There were stories of cash changing hands, of uh, rumours, like I said, of, of women being used, and in one case, people being given jobs just to punish Douglas. It turns out Buchanan had attempted to oust Douglas from the Illinois state campaign that he was running against Lincoln uh, by giving other people jobs to just try and disrupt things. Publicly fighting against people in his own party just because they disagreed with him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, not great. Wow. Yeah. Why would you do that? (laughs) Why would you do that? Um, Yeah, there's a lot of talk about corruption, shall we say. Now, Buchanan tried to fight against this. Yeah. He made the argument public that he couldn't possibly be corrupt. After all, he was too rich to be bribed. 
<laughs> this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> wow. However, the more people looked, the more people noticed. Um, actually, it's not just Buchanan. Buchanan's whole cabinet seems to be getting in on this. He seems to have surrounded himself by people who just didn't actually care about the rule of law and the Constitution. The Secretary of the Interior had sent agents to Kansas to further the administration's interests, shall we say. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he paid them using the department funds. So you've got government payments going to people trying to influence elections. Yeah. But you pass, an hours off, pass that off now as their advisors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the War Secretary was found to have sold a military fort way under the price uh, to some fellow Virginians, and then overbought arms from a company ran by a friend. Oh. Yeah, the Navy Department bought overpriced coal from a company with connections to the department. So, yeah, basically dodgy deals going on all over yeah. the place. Personally embarrassing for the president, his nephew by marriage was caught with a job that he only turned up for on the day that the pay was handed out. <laughs> yeah, so a bit of nepotism going on as yeah, well. Yeah, just just giving jobs to his family. For them. They don't really need to do anything, but it's a nice paycheck, isn't it? So he's putting his family in governmental positions. Yeah, yeah. During the investigation, Buchanan attempted to shut it down because, let's face it, he doesn't want this happening. Uh, he stated that Congress did not have the constitutional authority to investigate him unless it was impeaching him. Impeach me, that's your right, but you can't investigate me. And then he said, if the committee did move for impeachment, then his accusers would become his judges, and that's clearly not fair. I defy all charges. Nothing but perjury can sully my name, he tweeted. <laughs> now, the committee responded that this is obviously nonsense. At least three previous occasions could be found where Congress had investigated the executive branch. You're just making stuff up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At last, the Kavod report was released. Was... <laughs> right. Everyone was really excited about this. It's The report's coming out finally. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. yeah, it's taken two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the report found evidence of corruption and abuse of power within Buchanan's government and believable allegations of bribery from the president himself. However, it was not able to find impeachable evidence. In other words, we all know he did it. It's yeah. really obvious he's done it. We're not going far enough to say impeachment. There's not enough concrete evidence. Yeah. Here's a list of ten times where it's really obvious that it's happened. Yeah. But we just can't prove it solidly. Buchanan was very pleased and stated that he had, and I quote, passed triumphantly through this ordeal. <laughs> Bloody hell. This is weird. <laughs> And Twilight Zone. that he was completely vindicated. <laughs> Exonerated. Oh. However, the public and the politicians of the time were quite shocked at the levels of obvious corruption. Okay, they might not have impeached you, but wow, did all that really happen? So Buchanan's reputation really suffers. This is like a, a preview. I'm not, this is, this, this, I feel like what you're going to say next is kind of going to happen. <laughs> That's scary. Oh dear. <laughs> right. 
So there you go. That that was the uh, that was the Kavod report. Wow. <laughs> then um, then the Democratic National Convention of 1860 was upon them. Buchanan, true to his word, didn't run for another term. He said he'd only be a one-term president, and he was going to stick that way. But let's face it, it was very unlikely he would have got anywhere if he tried. Absolutely not. Yeah. The Democrats by this time has completely split, with Northern Democrats putting forth Douglas as a nominee and Southern Democrats the current ignored Vice President Breckinridge. And uh, this doesn't get sorted. So you get two Democratic nominees, a Northern one and a Southern one. It's two parties now. Yeah, it's now two parties. Meanwhile, the Republicans have chosen their nominee, a lawyer and politician from Douglas's state, Mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln. Who? Some guy. We're doing next. A fourth party. Spoiler. (laughs) Yeah. A fourth party, the Constitutional Union Party, which was sort of the know-nothings and some Northern Democrats and some other splinter groups. Bridging. But yeah, that's where this comes from. Uh, They put forth John Bell. So you've got four parties for this election. Buchanan was horrified when the Republican uh, Lincoln won. Now, in Buchanan's eyes, the Republicans are traitors, like yeah. literally traitors, right. because they're trying to break apart the Union with all their talk about slavery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was utterly horrified by this. As in Lincoln won the whole election? Yeah. Lincoln is now the president-elect. Oh, wow. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Buchanan's not alone in thinking that Lincoln was a dangerous man to have in charge. After all, the rhetoric that had been flying around in the previous election was now coming home to roost. Many in the South fully believed that Lincoln wanted to free all slaves and unleash them upon the white population in the South. It's not like he's going to release like an emancipation proclamation or anything ridiculous like that. I mean, Well, Lincoln very clearly ran on a I'm not an abolitionist, I will not try and get rid of slavery. I, I just want to stop the spread of slavery. Yeah. That's I'm what he wanted halting. to do. Yeah, I'm halting the spread. However, to fight that, many in the South turn that yeah. into a he wants to free all slaves because yeah. it sounds scarier, so you get people riled up. It's in the same way the NRA say, like, if people want gun control, they mean to get rid of your guns. Exactly. Exactly the same kind of thing, yeah. Uh, the problem rhetoric. with this, of course, is when Lincoln became president... You've now got a huge portion of the population who genuinely think that Lincoln's going to emancipate all the slaves, even though that was not Lincoln's intention. No. So, you now get a lot of talking about secession. Ooh. Yeah. So it's Lincoln's fault the Civil War happened. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Lincoln's won. Many in the South fear for their future. This feeling is strongest in South Carolina. Remember, this is Calhoun's stomping ground, so they've always been a bit crazy. They have a, now a beheaded rabbit statues just for... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they've got a long history of bad feeling towards the North and the federal government. So movements in South Carolina start to talk about leaving the Union. Buchanan, in his address to Congress after the election, stating that, and I quote here, slaves' vague notions of freedom was undermining the feelings of safety in the South. All thanks to the Republicans. Yeah. He then went on to state that seceding from the Union was obviously illegal. You can't do that. It's in the Constitution. That's, that's weird, isn't it? But he then went on to say that the federal government also did not have the legal right to stop any state from doing so. So it's illegal, but no one can stop you doing it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like, that, that was my thought. It's like, well, stop me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
In this simple speech, Buchanan managed to anger everyone. The North were angry that the President was saying that the United States could not stop a state from leaving, and the South was angry that the President said that the state leaving would be illegal. So he tried to placate everyone and, in fact, just annoyed everyone. He's really bad, isn't he? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not prejudging him here. There's no prejudice involved in that statement, but he's awful. Yeah, we're not quite finished. Um, the, oh, <laughs> the Treasury Secretary then resigned in disgust. <laughs> Screw you. Buchanan was then advised shortly afterwards by the General-in-Chief, General Scott. Yeah, he's still hanging around. Yeah. It's a bit old now, but he's still going. Um, that perhaps sending some troops down to South Carolina just to let the flag fly a bit... That'll calm everything down. <laughs> ...might be a good idea unless you want to lose the South. But we're going to need to get some troops down there. I'm not saying we go to war, but... We need to start thinking about troop movement here. Show a bit of muscle. Yeah. Or at least prepare exactly. for the worst. It's like, yeah, I'm doing my job as a general here. If you turn around to me in two months' time and say you suddenly need troops in South Carolina, we're not ready right now. We need to do some manoeuvring. Buchanan, disliking the old Whig general, just didn't listen to him. On the 20th of December, South Carolina announced it was indeed seceding from the Union. A delegation was sent to Washington to discuss many things... One of which was the matter of the forts in South Carolina, the federal forts. Right. Yeah. Uh, occupied by federal troops. Well, if we're leaving the Union, your troops on our land. Mm. We're not too happy about that. So, South Carolina proposed a truce. Look, if you don't reinforce the troops, if you don't go on a war footing, we won't attack them. Let's all just hold off. Yeah, we want to leave, and there will be a process, but let's not all start attacking each other. Buchanan didn't promise anything, because obviously he realised that talking to South Carolina and saying, yeah, yeah, do what you want, South Carolina, wouldn't go down too well. Hmm. But he gave the indication that this could possibly work. And he also sent word to South Carolina suggesting that perhaps you wait till Lincoln's in charge before you formally secede. <laughs> then it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those around Buchanan started to notice he was starting to look a little bit stressed. Getting a bit twitchy, sir. <laughs> yes, his cheek was twitching, his hair was a mess. He seems to suffer a bit of a mental breakdown here. He starts forgetting orders that he's given. He starts repeating himself a lot. He's he's struggling. He's, he's literally watching the Union dissolve around him. Then his Secretary of State quit, because the forts were not being reinforced. Everyone starts asking around him, why aren't you reinforcing the forts in South Carolina? But if, if things kick off here, we need our troops in place. What troops? Why? <laughs> Why are you just letting South Carolina do whatever they want? <laughs> then Mississippi announced that it was also thinking of seceding. Wonderful. Yeah, after all, South Carolina's been talking about it for a while and nothing bad's happened there, so... No. And they also announced that Buchanan's own Secretary of the Interior was going to be their agent to discuss options. Wonderful. Yeah, that's right, a paid-up member of the federal government was going to represent the state. Yeah, not only that, um, Buchanan then paid out of federal funds for the Secretary of the Interior to go to Mississippi to discuss things. He caught a bit of flack for that. Yeah, the optics are just wrong. And it also didn't help matters that his war secretary, you know, the really corrupt one. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. the most corrupt of his mm. cabinet. Um, he really should have been fired a while ago. Uh, but he's still in the job. And he publicly announced that he would cut off his own hands before sending troops to the South. I hope he's held to that. <laughs> so he was eventually asked to resign, but not very quickly, and he had enough time to send a large shipment of arms to the South. 
just in case you need them in the future. Wow. Yeah. They're enabling this. They're actively enabling division. Well, Buchanan's found himself in a very strange position. He's the president of a United States, but he's always sided with the side who are now leaving. But it's all the people around him. Yeah. He is a puppet. Is he a puppet, Partial. though? Because he agrees with everything that's going on. But but it's like, he's almost like, no, no, say this, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Then behind his back, he maybe unwittingly unaware of what's going on. He has his own view and stuff, but... But he's also actively, yeah, he's but... slowing things down. He's allowing South Carolina more time to sort uh, themselves out. I, I'd say wow. he's he's not being controlled by his cabinet. He's acting in unison with his cabinet. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I respect Beltris even more. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally think calling him a puppet is too kind. <laughs> he's just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, things start falling around. Rumours that other states are thinking of following really start swirling around. On Christmas night, Buchanan receives news. A Major Anderson had moved to Fort Sumter in South Carolina. Right. From a nearby weak, indefensible fort. Right. Now, Anderson had moved without any orders because he realised that they're sitting ducks. If anything does kick off here, we're in an indefensible fort. We're in a really bad position and there's a fort just over there. That's brilliant. And we're wearing bright red coats. Yeah, with targets on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we need to stop doing this. Let's take the bells off, lads. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Major Anderson decides, right, let's move to the, the defensible fort, uh, just in case. Yeah, uh, um, an Anderson shelter, if you will. <laughs> yes. And uh, if anything happens, then, then we'll be a bit safer. Now, does this count as reinforcements? It's more troop movements? Either way, though, Buchanan was not happy, and I quote, My God, a calamity's never to come singly. <laughs> Buchanan was worried that this was going to ruin part of his latest plan, which was a truce with South Carolina, keep things ticking along there, yeah. until a national convention could take place. Almost like the start, right at the start of, uh, where, yeah. of the Union, where a big national convention took place to rewrite the government and create the Constitution. Mm. What they need is a whole nation get together, big convention, and sort slavery out once and for all. Yeah, yeah. whitewash. You, you can imagine what sorting slavery out once and for all meant to Buchanan and those yeah, that agreed with this yeah. idea. Uh, that's what they've already been doing. Anyway, the delegates from South Carolina were angry at Anderson's move on Fort Sumter. So, Buchanan, after talking to them, ordered Anderson back to his original indefensible position and suggested that the previous truce just continue. Many around the president start getting cold feet around this point. It's like, what are we doing here? You have essentially ordered a death sentence to Anderson and the federal troops with him. Because if any fighting starts and they're in that position, they will be killed because it's indefensible. Yeah. You have troops in a defensible position, you're ordering them to an indefensible one. Do you think it's a retaliation? What, for Anderson's original move? Yeah. Uh, I think it was more Buchanan trying to hit the reset button. Let's pretend that didn't ah, happen. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those around the president point out that this order is practically treason. You're, you're ordering the death of US troops, or at least potentially. Many in this cabinet said that N Needless they... death is like... 
Yeah. Like, you, you can send people to war and you can expect people to die, but this is a... There's got to be a reason, and there's no reason for this move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, many in his cabinet say, we're going to resign if you give that order. Buchanan, therefore, was forced to say to South Carolina that Anderson would stay in Fort Sumter. So he's acquiesced to that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. South Carolina then accused Buchanan of breaking their pledge and demanded that the US troops get out of their fort. And this is a step too far for Buchanan. Finally, it's almost like Buchanan wakes up and goes, oh. <laughs> Three in the morning. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're on the eve of civil war. <laughs> yeah. He sent them away. His hand was forced. Buchanan starts listening to General Scott. And finally... <laughs> Imagine that conversation. <laughs> yes. Hey, Scott. Yeah, finally he orders reinforcements to Force Sumter to hold it from the rebels. Right. A ship of men and supplies were sent on the 5th of January, the same day that Anderson wrote to the capital saying he didn't need any supplies. Just one of those unfortunate coincidences. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that letter was sent too late to be of any use. So as the supply ship headed into the channel towards the fort... South Carolinan batteries opened fire upon it. Wow. Yeah. That's literally the first yeah, shot. Yeah, we're getting actual fire. Now, the ship, seeing that Fort Sumter itself was not doing anything to aid, was forced to retreat. The reason why Fort Sumter wasn't doing anything to aid is because Buchanan had not sent word to the fort about the ship. And Anderson was under strict orders not to start a war. So he was forced to just not join in. And right. just watch as people opened fire on his own supply ship. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Then word reached Washington. Mississippi had announced that it was also leaving the Union on the 9th of January. Mm. And that opens the floodgates. Florida left the next day on the 10th. Wow. Alabama the day after that. Wow. A week later, Georgia. Another week after, Louisiana, gone. Texas, on the 1st of February. Like dominoes, southern states just start leaving the Union. Wow. So fast as well. That's in They were all watching, day by day. waiting, what's going to happen here? It is the excuse. It's and the catalyst. Actually, I think we can do this. I think we can leave. There doesn't seem to be that much of a pushback. We'll form our own nation, our own conf- Confederates. Yeah. Yeah. Buchanan then received word from Anderson. They were in urgent need of supplies now. He didn't need them to begin with, but now he does. And South Carolina has heavily defended the area. It would now take a major assault to keep the fort. Things are looking bad. And the next day, his presidency was up. Time to go home. (laughs) Well, (laughs) job well done. That's me done. (laughs) Lincoln was sworn in with General Scott and the army nearby, just in case. (laughs) Buchanan said to the Republican, if you're as happy in entering the White House as I am in returning to Wheatfield, you are a happy man. Lincoln probably just looked around. You complete (laughs) and utter. (laughs) Buchanan then spent his retirement attempting to defend his performance as president. He regularly received death threats in the mail. (laughs) Newspapers attacked him, and even his own cabinet, who were so close and friendly to begin with, mostly refused to defend his actions as president. Eight years later, he caught a cold. He did not get better, and he died at the age of 77 in his home. That's a shame. (laughs) I'm I'm surprised no legal action was taken. I guess they were busy, (laughs) to be fair. (laughs) That's Buchanan. Wow. 
Yeah. Literally, wow. Yeah. He's up there with the worst emperors. Oh, yeah. He's just bad. <laughs> Let's rate this mother. <laughs> okay, just uh, when I'm, like, staring that direction... I can I, I can't generally read words and I, and I can't I can't I can't read the words on there it's no. too small too far away but I can see a good section and a bad section yeah they're disproportionate go on tell me the good the good he did a lot <laughs> he was in the house in the senate he was secretary of state under Polk he was the ambassador to Russia and yep. to Britain and then he was the president he is one of the most experienced presidents to date in terms of being in politics and having different roles. That just proves something, like experiences mean everything. <laughs> yeah. So there you go, that's good. <laughs> His good amounts to he should have known better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. <laughs> Bad. He was awful. <laughs> like really, really awful. Now, if we're being generous, we could say he wasn't strong enough to stand up to the South. But as we already started discussing earlier, is this true? Uh, many historians have taken this view. He was uh, a weak president who couldn't stand up to the South, and they led him. Uh, and he didn't really do anything to fight back. But but he, he defended that. He actively pursued that, though. He built the South up to be that way. He dilly-dallied, that's what he did, yeah. with South Carolina, giving South Carolina more time to organise and showing the South that they could just leave the Union. But it's like building a patio. Like, if you dilly-dally with a patio, you don't, you don't even get started with it. He mm. laid the foundation for that patio, which was the South rising. Not He sprinkled the him. sand. No, it wasn't just him, I get that, but, but he was... But he was the site supervisor. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was saying, yep, yeah, put that foundation down. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Put the sand down, stamp it down. So if we're being generous, we're saying that he is a weak-minded puppet of a president. That's generous. And that's the generous. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. Let's face it, he wanted the South to win over the North. Yeah. He wanted slavery to spread, yep. and he was prepared to break the law to do it. We can't blame the Civil War on him solely, obviously, but he yeah. is a personification of the problem. <laughs> yes. He yes. is... A rich partisan politician who thought that the opposition were traitors, and therefore it doesn't matter what you do to stop them. Yeah, you're always going to be right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to sound rude, but he mass—he's a massive exacerbator. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. He it, exacerbated all through his presidency. If you constantly talk about the people who oppose you as traitors, as as the enemy. Yes. Then you lay a foundation to justify any action that you yourself take. Yes. Uh, because you can't do wrong. Exactly. And that is what Buchanan did. And therefore, he was fine that his cabinet were completely corrupt. They were corrupt because they were trying to defeat those traitors in the North. The ends justify the means. Exactly. Um, he, wow. His obvious support of corruption in Kansas and then the corruption in, in his own administration uh, is obviously terrible. And his attempts to practically give Fort Sumter to South Carolina is, as members of his own cabinet pointed out, practically treasonous. Yeah. He, he was essentially giving forts away yeah. to what was past becoming an enemy in a war. Also, his war hawking was not good. No. But this, this doesn't really get much mention because it didn't really go anywhere because <laughs> other things happened. <laughs> but he was more than willing to go off and invade other countries for no reason whatsoever just because he wanted more land. Uh, he wanted to take Cuba off Spain with no justification, yeah. and he wanted to go and invade Mexico again. 
Now, this, these didn't even get off the ground. But in an ideal world, that's what he would have spent his presidency doing. Yeah. So you can't even say in fortunate circumstances he would have been good if all this terrible stuff wasn't happening. No, if he had an ideal presidency, he would have just been a horrible war hawk. Yeah. And last and not least at all, the <laughs> Dred Scott ruling. Oh, lovely. Oh, yes. Not him personally, but strongly suspected he has a large hand in it. He has just stripped citizenship off all black people in the country and said that they have no legal recourse whatsoever. The only defence you could give to him would be he didn't directly make the decision. No, it's a separate branch of government. It wasn't him, but some backroom chats were had. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes it almost even worse because he knows... Like, if you have to do it that way, you know it's not a good thing to do. Yeah. Like, you know it's divisive, you know... Yeah. Probably morally, he doesn't He doesn't care. It, that's irrelevant to him. Because he, he doesn't... He probably does think, well, yeah, they're, they're not citizens, which is worse. Yeah. Um, so how much of a zero should we both give him? I, I'm going to stick to a regular zero, I Just think. Just a regular zero. I'm going to go all the way up to a massive zero. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. Okay. So, zero... <laughs> Zero. Disgrace Gate. Um, actually, the way we divide things into statesmanship and Disgrace Gate, perhaps not as much as you're thinking, uh, but there's certainly some stuff here. He may have driven a young woman to suicide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now the Anne Coleman affair, we don't really know the details, so is it fair that we're judging on this? Because maybe it was something completely different, but let's face it, he didn't come out well in that story, did he? Okay. To tell us ranking style, we go with the most interesting, because that's oh, what yeah. our past, that's the philosophy of our podcast. That is true, yeah. So he absolutely drove oh, a person yeah. to suicide. Yeah, I, it wasn't good. So there's that. He was a very petty individual. Yes. He, remember, refused to help out his old school because they wouldn't give him the honours at the end of the year. Why would a president be so petty? I don't... Yeah, he was just these grudges petty him. little grudge holding that he had. Um, He's almost like a list of enemies he wants to get his own back on, that sort of <laughs> ridiculous... Oh. He was... Corrupt. Now, obviously, part of that is knocking off statesmanship, but he's also got the personal philosophy that being corrupt is absolutely fine. Yeah, there's no moral... Yeah. The ends justify the means. Yeah. But his own morality is not in a good place for that to be a good... Yeah. Um, no slaves. Uh, but he was happy to say that black people were not citizens. So, and that's his own moral, that's his own that's personal, his own personal view. view. Yeah. Yeah. So minus twenty. <laughs> um, it's it's not great. I'm gonna go. Let's break this down a bit. We're gonna give a couple of points to the uh, suicide story because it's debatable. Mm -hmm. If that was certain, I think I would have gone up to a four or five for that. Uh, just being petty individual, I give another point. Uh, the corruption. Um, that influenced everything. Yeah. His I'm, own personal. I'm going to give a that. three for the corruption, I think, because that definitely right. happened. Right. Um, and then the just the horrible involvement in Dred Scott and him being happy with that, I'm going to put a four on. So. What's that add up to? Four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, no, no. See, I think that's too much. <laughs> I can't go for a full ten. Yes, but you broke it down. Broke it down. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for an overall feel, knowing that we have presence and future that we might want to give more to. Yeah, but you can still be corrupt for different things. Like that, I would say he is very similar to Jefferson, but with an added 
level of corruption. Jefferson was horribly racist. Jefferson wasn't very nice to women. Jefferson, Jefferson, I don't know, was he petty? I can't remember offhand him being petty. So, yeah, I'm going to go higher than Jefferson. You know, higher than Jefferson. What do I give Jefferson? Minus eight. Minus nine it is. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 we adjusted that. We thought that was too high. We took that down to a minus seven, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a minus eight. All right. I'm I'm going for minus nine because there may be someone that might be worse. And that's the only reason. So minus 17. Silver screen. Oh, see, here's, he's going to pick up points here. This this certainly is his round score. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Born to a relatively rich family, although that family itself came from humble beginnings. Yeah. So you could pull that in. Yeah. Dad, dad was a, an orphan from Ireland, remember? Yeah. Antics at school, he was pompous, he got expelled, and then he got back in because daddy kicked up a fuss. Mm. Um, you could do a bit of that. The whole uh, arguing about the honours at the end of the situation. Yeah. Then you've got a whole Anne Coleman arc with her committing suicide at the end. That's high drama. Uh, then his uh, father died in a carriage accident. We speculated that he drove straight off a cliff. So, I mean, just the explosion as it hits the bottom for a start. Yeah. That's, that looks good, doesn't it? That does look good. Yeah. Then uh, he goes to work in the House of Representatives yeah. and meets King. So you've got all of that starting. Oh, yeah. Because the, the, yeah. the, how would you play that? Would you go for full-on, it's obviously a, a relationship, or would you be more suggestive with it? You could go either way, couldn't you? That's what I mean. What um, would you do? I personally think they were very much in a relationship, so I mm. think I'd bring that out into the fore and yeah. and just have it build up slowly until eventually yeah. it becomes very obvious. With Buchanan struggling through the, the problems at the time, trying yeah, to yeah. hide it, people accusing him. You've just got high drama out of that. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then you, he goes off to Russia, so you can do some nice snowy scenes. He meets a hunky monk, remember? Yeah, so that's <laughs> a hunky. good. A hunky monk. So you could just get some really hunky monk to play your hunky monk. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I just think of the hunky monk from Christian Peep Bale. Show. Oh, that that would. I'll work. get Christian Bale's with the monk. Have you seen Peep Show? Yeah. With the hunky monk. Oh yes, the guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've just got him. Yeah. <laughs> he can come in and play yes. the hunky monk. <laughs> just gets a hug. Yeah. <laughs> um, then back to the US. He joins the Senate. This is where he lives with King for like over a decade. Uh, this is where he seems happy. They're, they're going to parties. They're always seen together. So you, you can definitely get some good good drama out of that. Again, with that level of slight dread, because obviously society wouldn't accept them. Then you've got Polk's Mexican War. He's Secretary of State, so you can do some stuff about that. Nice trip to Britain, the fuss with Clarendon. Um, Meet Vic. That, Vic. That, yeah, meeting Queen Victoria, that's nice. Back to the US... Then the whole Dred Scott stuff happens, uh, the Utah thing happens, the Kansas thing happens. Everything's falling apart, including his mental health. See, see, that's the thing, though. Like, at the beginning, you can make him look good. Yeah. Like, a great protagonist. Yeah. You could easily spit it, and then it just gets worse and yeah. worse and yeah. worse. You think, oh, he is a horrible person. When's he going to pull it round? When's it going to... And then it doesn't. He does. <laughs> you just got him on his own with his eye twitching in his house great show called you on netflix oh i've seen it i've seen it oh yeah yeah, yeah. that like, yeah the, like, you, you, you think it always a bit weird and creepy but you kind of like him <laughs> then go oh no no he's genuinely horrible <laughs> at the end yeah and then you go you just end with disgraced retirement yeah he i think you should get quite a lot of this it's quite good actually i don't think you'd be able to sell this <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think there are many executives in America no. chomping on the bit to make but, the Buchanan film. But you said about a lot of them. But yeah. I would argue they're missing out on something. Yeah, I, I think so. I think this is actually an interesting story. Mm. Um, it's depressing. It, there are hideous elements, but it, it's a fascinating story. I'm going to give him six. You mean six? Yeah. I, I'm going to go for seven. You, you like it a bit more. So I'm okay. 13. 13, so that's a minus four so okay. far. Canvasability. Canvasability. What's he look like? I imagine a bit sad. <laughs> um, I tried to look into this, and I honestly couldn't find out, so if anyone knows, please let me know. But this painting is by far the most shoddy out of all the official presidential paintings I could find, and I can only assume that that's because no one really wanted to do it. They just had to pick an art student. Because they're usually done after the fact, and like everyone's at war. And, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he... The guy just had his hands put off. Oh, 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 wow. He's got a mohawk. He's <laughs> got a bit of a pointy hairdo, hasn't he? Oh wow, yeah, it's like a dot painting. Yeah, it's um he just looks a bit sad and a bit dull. dull. It looks like it's like a fish. It's not a good portrait, is it? He's got sad eyes. You can definitely get better portraits of Buchanan, clearer portraits, yeah. uh, ones that capture him much better. Um <laughs> just crying. <laughs> But this is his official one, and it's just not good. It's it's a black background, and I don't know. It, it just seems oversaturated, and he he just he's staring off into the middle distance in a kind of oh dear. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you can tell he's watching his fort burn <laughs> in Carolina. It's I, it's my it's my least favorite so far. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's dull. There's nothing to it. Um, I will give one a one. <laughs> Why am I even giving it one point? Because of his hairdo. I quite like his pointy hair. Yeah, there we go. As well. So that is zero point five for canvas ability. Bonus. Okay, can I get a couple of bonus points here? He served one term. One term. Brilliant. He was not assassinated, and no one tried to. And his election, he only gets one point because he did not win by a landslide. Minus one point five. Minus one point. He's not last. It's his story. Yeah, well, we've just popped it into the spreadsheet. He's second to last. He's 14 out of 15. Obviously, our last place at the moment is Tyler. So, Tyler, the reason why he scored less is that his silver screen was only six, whereas yeah. Buchanan's 13. Yeah. Buchanan, however, is last place in statesmanship. He is our worst president, without a doubt, in my mind. Currently. Yeah, he's the worst president <laughs> currently. Yeah. Uh, but... He's he's got an interesting life story, and yeah. our final score is not who's the best president; it's who's the most interesting president. There's hmm. a minus one point five, but there is one more question we need to ask ourselves. Is there? Not really, but let's do the sound bite anyway. American or American? No, 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 no. He's he's destroyed the union. He's <laughs> at this point the country is destroyed. He's yeah. destroyed a country. Yeah. Not, I, not just him, but... No, but... The book stop, stops here. Was well, yeah, someone, yeah. someone said someone said that. I'm sure someone said yeah. that. Yeah, so, um, yeah. He's literally destroyed a country. It's a no. It's an absolute no. It's an absolute no. And he's an absolute... Yeah. Well, you see I'm holding this bell. <laughs> yeah. See the end of it. Yeah, yeah. That's what he is. That's what he is. <sighs> Ding-a-ling. Yeah. Well, that was depressing. He's terrible. It was terrible. depressing. 
and it, what 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 struck me with this is the, the history of because a good historian which we obviously are hmm. um compares history to modern events it's uncanny isn't it it genuinely is it's quite scary but what's going to happen next way yes oh. uh, abraham lincoln we're finally there the one i've been most looking forward to i must admit mm. because i just want to know more about him how far are you in the research uh, about halfway through i've done most of the research for the first episode i really want to keep everyone on two episodes yeah. and if i can do washington in two episodes and jackson in two episodes i'm sure i can do lincoln in two episodes i mean there are other podcasts that do way, way more, more detailed, detailed. yeah so. just to warn you now though it's not going to be an in-depth look at the civil war Go to a Civil War podcast if you want that. Uh, It's going to be a biography of Lincoln. Good. So, that's next time, however. All we need to do now is say thank you very much for listening. Hope you were not too depressed after all of that. And, uh, yeah, download us, rate us, review us, speak well of us. To your friends and family. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. Mr. Buchanan, Mr. Uh, Mr. President, sir. Oh, do enjoy hearing yeah. that. <laughs> Welcome to your new office. Yes. We've uh, tidied it up a little bit. Uh, we've got rid of all the tear stains from the, the pierces. Oh, yes, yes. No, lively White House, that's what I want. Gallons of champagne, whiskey, brandy. You sound fantastic, sir. Oh, well, yes. here's your desk. Uh, we've uh, removed the twiglets above the, the desk, sir. Yes, I'm not entirely sure what that was about. It's Me neither. real, but never mind. Come on in, lay it on me. I'm not shy of hard work, as they say. Excellent. Well, there's a problem with slavery. What? Slavery. The the problem with slavery. No problem. It's wonderful. Um, well, there are a few individuals, well, states, that disagree with that and feel that it is quite a big problem. Ah, don't worry. I've been chatting it over, you know, what, what, nudge, nudge, wink, wink and all that with some of my pals, chums. Uh, something's coming through, don't worry about that. Yes, uh, we're just gonna sort that out with a little legal case. Um, would this happen to be the, 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 the Dred Scott case, sir? That's the one! Yes, no, it's gonna, but, gonna be uh, sorted. No, it's going to be illegal to disagree with me. That's what I've decided on slavery. So, yes, just cross that off the list. No one's gonna um, be able to argue about it again. Okay, right, crossed off. Oh, a good crossed off list. I do enjoy it. Go on, number two. The economy's collapsing, sir. We're starving. Whitworth! Actually, can I call you Chad? No. Whitworth, I'm the president. I don't need to get involved in these little personal issues such as money. But somebody needs to sort it, sir. They are sorted out themselves if they work badly hard enough. Now, next, cross it off. People are starving, sir. My wife died of dysentery like two days ago. Exactly. No one dead's ever complained of hunger. Cross it off. Um, crossed off? Next, this, this, uh, Church of Latter-day Saints. Ah, the cult. A uh, bit insensitive, sir. No, I've been I, thinking about this. Um, um, I think we just send some armed troops over and uh, give them what for. It's very British of you, sir. Look, I'm the president, and what happens in personal houses is exactly my responsibility. So, oh. we're going to send some troops over there and uh, send some politicians, just sort it out. Look, just flex a bit of muscle there, cave. Oh, good God. Anyway, okay. cross it off. Bleeding Kansas. There's blood everywhere. Literally. Yes, now I must admit this one is a bit tricky. I did have to have a think about this over the cornflakes. Two governments, 
you say? Yes, uh, two governments. Right, and you say one's illegal and uh, one was put in, uh, well, essentially illegally with dubious elections, yes? Yes. So really hard to choose between the two. Can't mm-hmm. put a piece of paper there. Um, do they have any differences at all? Which government shall I go for? Well, there, there are two distinct differences, sir. Yes. Uh, one is very, very, very pro-slavery. Go for that one. Um, would you care to hear the other option? No, no, you've sold it no, to me. Bond no, salesman, you are. No, it's, it's, it's an, an abhorrent. We'll call God. it the Whitworth Amendment. No, I'm loving good this. God. Right, okay. Um, yes, yeah, so that government's in charge now. Uh, we just need to pass the Constitution. Uh, oh, actually, people are going to object, aren't they? Uh, so, they may, right, they here you go. Have this wad of cash. Just, like, spread that around. This may be considered illegal, sir. Only by knaves and fools and republicans. So oh. don't worry about that. No, no, that's fine. Just spread spread the love. We'll soon get that one through. Cross that off. Anything cool. else? Um, so, yes, there's just one more tiny issue that I, I feel needs your attention. Oh, yes. South Carolina, Mississippi, Florida, Alabama... Georgia, Louisiana, and Texas have all seceded from the Union. Well, that's my time done. Who's the next chap in? Do you not remember that advert? There's a Twiglet advert. No. There's lots of Twiglets just hanging from the <laughs> ceiling and someone looking really scared. It's a very strange advert. Um, yeah, don't know why that popped into my head, but it did. Anyway, 